0: Welcome to another episode of the portuguesesoccer.com podcast. I'm your guest host, John Neves, back here again to talk about my favorite subject, your favorite subject, and that is, of course, Portuguese soccer, Portuguese football, whatever word you use in your part of the world. Episode 119. A lot I'm going to be talking to you about in this episode, everything from uh, my thoughts on the Fernando Santos national team call-ups, My picks this year for MVP, flop, best young player, best players at their position, best manager, I'm gonna talk about that, big three report, as well as news from around the first and second division, my predictions, and obviously also gonna talk about the upcoming schedule. But I wanna start first with something that I have talked about a little bit in each of the last few episodes, I talked about this in January during the Tasa da Liga final. I talked about this uh, even going back to last summer with the Tasa da Portugal final. And that is the fact that basically in the case of the Tasa da Portugal and the Tasa da Liga, and, and, and we'll stick with Tasa da Portugal because that's coming this Sunday. Um, the fact that this weekend, if you are in Portugal, and you're lucky if you are, beautiful Portugal, um, you can watch the Tasa de Portugal final, Porto Tundela, Sunday at 5.15 in the afternoon, 17.15 uh, on TBI, which is a private channel in Portugal that's open to the public free. You don't need to subscribe to it and all you nearly need is a digital antenna and that's it, you get it. And probably like some of you, I have a lot of relatives, a lot of relatives that uh, don't want the uh, cable, the satellite, they just, like the fact that they have their six or seven channels on the free TV. Uh, but this weekend in Portugal, they can watch the TASA the Portugal final because it's going to be on uh, DBI. And again, uh, they have the rights, but the rights are finishing. RTP will be taking it over from everything I've read next year, and that's going to be good news for everybody outside of Portugal. But talking about this weekend, um, I have advocated in the past that I think that what they should do or at least do it for everybody outside of Portugal, is take the broadcast, the Federation, TBI, have a discussion, put the game either on the TBI website or put it on YouTube and let everybody see it outside of Portugal. All your sponsors that are gonna be on the broadcast in Portugal, they're still gonna be seen. And and by the way, they're gonna be seen by a lot more people in this new fashion. And I don't do this to do any wrong. I do this because I'm trying to expose as many people as possible to our brand of football, which this week is essentially the best team in the league, Porto, because they won the championship, against one of the worst teams in the league because they're getting relegated, but it's a David and Goliath story, and that's what makes these cup finals, especially this cup final in Portugal, because over the years, we've seen small clubs win it. And it's an exciting day. It's a festive day throughout Portugal, especially for those that go to the Jamor. There's a lot of barbecues. But I saw something this week that only proves that I could be right if they tried it, and that is that BT Sport in England, okay, I believe it's throughout the United Kingdom, I apologize, I've only been fortunate in my life to go to London twice, um, quickly on trips, so I can't say I do it a lot, but I know BT, because I read about this on the uh, great uh, news apps, uh, The Athletic, um, they basically, for all their subscribers, because you've got to pay to watch them in in, uh, in uh, England, they have a lot of sports, I'm sure the Premier League. Um, I think the Premier League, I'm not sure, but they have the rights to the European finals, the Champions League, the Europa League, and the Europa Conference League. And I read that for those three finals, you can watch it either on their app, their website, or their YouTube channel for free, anybody in England. You don't have to be a subscriber. Anybody can watch it. So the technology exists. And why are they doing this? Well, the article didn't say when I read it, but it sounds to me like they're trying to get as many people as possible to watch those finals, which means that all the sponsors that are the advertisers in this game, especially the advertisers that are advertising during these uh, three finals, they're going to get more people to see their products. And to me, it's a win-win-win, in my opinion. It's just a win-win-win. So it's kind of disappointing when I read that, which is why I'm bringing it up here at the very beginning, that they're not showing this, they're not doing this in Portugal and putting it on like I've been advocating for a long time. And I say YouTube because YouTube is a app that's pretty much everyone has it and you tend to get it already on your phone unless you want to take it out. But to me, it's just, I don't know, it just makes a lot of sense. You know, you know let's say in Portugal, I don't know, how many people are gonna watch the final? Let me just throw out a number, 1.5 million, okay? Uh, generally, I follow the ratings. and It tends to be anywhere, the big games, anywhere between 1 to 2 million people. Let's say 1.5 million are watching this in Portugal. Now, imagine you put this game available now outside of Portugal. Talk about all the immigrants in France, all the immigrants in North America, the Brazilians. Um, you could probably get a lot more. I'm not, I don't know. I'm not saying they're going to get a million. I don't even know if they'll get a half a million. I don't know. But you know what? You get a few hundred thousand, which is, I think, possible. People dropping in and out throughout the broadcast. That's exposing the product more. So, again, I know it's annoying. I, I just wish that they would just be this creative. And, and, again, TVI paid for the rights. God bless them. They did the right thing. The Federation is protecting it. I get it. But it's on free TV in Portugal, so why not make it and take the same broadcast with the same advertisers and put it on national? I just think, for me it's too much of a good idea. Now, I don't know the reason why they don't do it. I want to give them the benefit of the doubt, all respect to the federation, because the federation, in my opinion, is one of the best marketers in the world, and they've done a fantastic job to make the song when they play much watch TV, and there's so many fans of Portugal throughout the world. But to me, I'm thinking about not our young players, I'm not thinking about the national team, I'm thinking about a particular match between two teams that play in the Liga that I think more people need to see throughout the world, and I know a Benfica sporting fans aren't going to care, but you know what? This is a good idea to continue to expo- expose our product. And so this weekend, I'll be a Relatú guy, and that's the way it's going to have to be. But it could have been a better situation. This could have been a much much better situation, and uh, who knows? Maybe Saturday night they'll 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 make an announcement. They'll say, "Hey, it's going to be on YouTube," and I'll be like, "Oh yes!" I'll be so happy. But unfortunately, I. I don't have that much. Um, I, I don't think I have much faith in that happening, but I'm hope I'm wrong. But again, this isn't about directly criticizing anybody. We want them to protect their investment, but this is about getting more people to see the game. And since this game is being shown free in Portugal on the uh, TBI, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't do it. But anyway, but uh, so Saturday Sunday is the big match in Portugal TBI at 17:15. Porto, Tundela, and I'll have a preview about that in a few minutes. Uh, by the way, also a big weekend is you've got the Liga playoff this weekend. Uh, you've got uh, basically Chaves taking on Moreirense. Uh That's at 2000 hours. That's on Sport TV 1 in uh, Portugal. This is another game that they're going to probably consider offering to RTP International for the international audience. Uh, look, are a lot of people are going to watch Chaves during the season. Probably not. Do a lot of people get up or go out of their way to watch Morde dance? Probably not. But you know what? This is a playoff. Two legs. Away goals count. And I think that this would have been nice to have made this available again uh, to uh, more. And again, we're not talking about like 34 weeks of the league of season. We're talking about to two or three big matches, one of these being this, uh, you know, playoff to avoid the uh, relegation and, um, in the case of Morinance, or in the case of Shabs to be the third team promoted from the second division. And I've always said, I think Pedro Purenza does a great job, and I'm sure their hands are tied with contracts and all that, but they got to get creative and make these games as available as possible to a lot of people, because even if a certain amount of people are watching, let's say hypothetically 10,000 people are watching on a sport TV or 20. Now you make this available on RTP International. Let's say you even did it just for this reason only. YouTube, you pick up another 10,000. It's 10,000 you had more before. Again, I understand it, but uh, basically a big weekend on Saturday with uh, the playoff first leg in the beautiful Tras de Montes, and that is of Chaves versus uh, Morey And then, of course, like I said, Sunday, you have the tasa de Portugal uh, final. And then Monday, you have the under-17 euro, which is being broadcast on RTP. And it's basically the final match day of the group, the under-17 euro, which I believe is in Israel. Portugal is leading the group with uh, six points, so all they need is a draw to uh, finish in first place in advance but they're looking uh, pretty good to advance to the uh, quarterfinals. There's four groups of four, the top two advanced, and Portugal's under-17, much like the rest of their uh, youth teams. uh, Just continues to take care of business and do uh, very, very well. So that's a very big match coming up on Monday at 1,800 hours, 1 o'clock in the afternoon for those in uh, North America. And then, of course, on Wednesday, the special one, José Mourinho. He'll be playing in the Europa Conference Final, the very first final in this competition. Mourinho's won the Champions League. He's won the Europa League. He even won the UEFA Cup when it was called the UEFA Cup before the Europa League when he won it with uh, Porto. Um, Big-time opportunity here for Mourinho, who, by the way, I think when he was an assistant with Barcelona under Bobby Robson, if I remember, they won the Cup Winners' Cup, which was another old competition among just the... Uh, cup winners in Portugal, in the case of the Taça de Portugal, the FA Cup, you know, the winners of those competitions basically advanced. If they didn't already qualify for the Champions League, they would play their own separate European competition. And I remember Mourinho won it uh, with Barcelona. So Mourinho's hardware at home is loaded, and he's obviously looking to do this one more time. He was very emotional when they won the he won the Europa with uh, United uh, years back. And, obviously, he's trying to do that with Roma. And, uh, obviously, it would continue to be a great success story. A Portuguese special one to win a, another uh, trophy. So, um, that's my early thoughts on television. Or, for some of you that watch it on your phone. Um, or, this upcoming schedule. And, again, Saturday night, uh, Shaves Mourinho's first leg of the playoff. Remember, away goals count. Then Sunday night Sunday, late afternoon, early evening, Tundela Porto, Taça do Portugal final. Uh, Porto looking to win uh, their 20th, uh, uh, excuse me, looking to win their 18th Taça de Portugal final. Whereas Tundela is looking to win their first cup, period. And again, it, to me, it's a bit of a David and Goliath situation. I think Porto's heavy favorite. When I do my predictions coming up, I think Porto is probably going to win 3-0. Tundela is down. Ugly week last week, getting relegated to the second division. And, you know, even if they win the Tasa de Portugal, I'd be very curious to see if they are, in fact, going to want to take the Europa berth and uh, play in the Europa Conference next year as a second division team because you do have to travel a lot in Europe, and it's not cheap. Um, you're you're going to—I I believe the stadium is more than suitable to host Europa, but I'm not 100% sure— you know, Do they have to maybe go to another stadium, which means paying more money? And I don't know whether or not they're going to have the type of attendance that will pay it off. I mean, if they were playing a tasa do Portugal match and they had to go to a bigger stadium and you know they play a big three, that they're always going to be able to make money on those games. I don't know if that gets you excited with uh, going to Europa. So I'd be very curious. But first, Tunela has to win. And then those are the questions that I'm sure will be asked during the week and whether or not we'll have another situation like I think what happened a few years ago with Desportivo uh, do Avs when uh, they didn't register to go to Europe, and therefore they won, if you remember, they beat uh, during that very tumultuous time with uh, Sporting after the attacks in Alcachete and JJ and just the tough times they had. Uh, Sporting went into that final and they wound up losing to Avsch. Uh Jose Mota was the manager of that team, and um, that was... Uh, That was an interesting and a very bad week, but Avs decided not to go. So I'll be curious to see if Dundela wins, what their future are. Will they, in fact, uh, decide to go play in the uh, Europa League? Uh, I'll be very curious because if they don't, then Braga is going to take that spot and then they will go to the Europa League. And I think most people from a competitive standpoint would agree that having Braga playing the Europa probably for the long term is a lot better for the Portuguese coefficient points. I mean, we want to see Portuguese clubs all there. But I think at the end of the day, everyone realizes that Braga is probably a much more uh, competitive team. So again, Chaves uh, more than Saturday night. Sunday afternoon, Tasa de Portugal final. Monday, under-17, last group match. Uh, Portugal will be playing Denmark at 1,800 hours. And then Wednesday, the special one, uh, we'll be playing in the Europa Conference final against Fire Nord, And that's scheduled for 2000 hours. Portugal time and uh, plenty of time next week for me to uh, talk about the Champions League with uh, Xhota, uh playing in it as uh, well. Uh, national team call-ups today, uh, not really, uh, uh, well, first off, very happy for Ricardo Huerta, one of the best players in the Liga. He certainly deserves to get his chance. Uh, Fernando Santos said, hey, in his press conference today, he was always looking at him. He always knew about him. Um, but now is the time where he feels he's going to bring him into camp and he's going to give a chance for Horta, uh to play. You know, Portugal next month, the first matches on June the 2nd, they're playing four matches in 10 days. And that's a lot of uh, matches for a bunch of players that play at the highest level in Europe. So there's no doubt that a player like Ricardo Horta is going to get his opportunity uh, to uh, play. And uh, David Carmo, uh, what a tremendous story he is. You know, he injured himself. He was out for a long time. Came back, was awesome for Braga in the Europa League. Scored a goal against the Rangers and, uh, in the uh, quarterfinals. And uh, if you get a chance, go to uh, Braga's uh, Twitter account, or you can find it on you know PortugueseSoccer.com Twitter account, or you can find it on Sport TV's uh, Twitter account. And uh, look at his emotion. You know, he's there with his family. They're showing the press conference on a, a TV and uh, he really gets emotional when he finds out he gets cold. And think about that, what it must be like when you know you're going to be playing for the Portuguese national team. I mean, that is a big, big moment for players. Not only increases their value, but it puts you on another level. Not to mention the fact that you're playing for something that many people in Portugal dream about in whatever sport they play, and in his case, football, soccer. So if you get a chance, uh, I encourage you. And be warned, you might get emotional as well watching it. I just thought it was a great moment, and I really enjoyed uh, watching that. But uh, great call-ups by the two Braga products. And then, of course, no Ruben Diaz and João Felix. They are both injured. Uh, Renato, uh, i got to tell you, I'm a little confused about Renato Sanchez. I've heard he's injured, yet he is in the match day squad for Lille, so I'm not really sure what's going on with that call-up. Uh Gonzalo Gunca- Ignacio is going to be playing for the under-21. Uh, let's not forget, they've got some important matches, too, even though they're controlling their under-21 qualifying group with uh, Rui George. Nevertheless, they still got business to take care of, so I could see why it would make more sense to have him play in the, those matches. Um, Domingos Duarte is a back in the national team, of course, replacing uh, Ruben Diaz. And again, these matches that are coming up, and I'll talk about that more in the next podcast, uh, obviously very important for Portugal, number one, because they want to win the UEFA Nations League. They've already won it once. Why not do it again and get another trophy? Some people like to downplay this competition. They say it's an exhibition. But at the end of the day, this is a competition, and it's getting taken more seriously every year, especially as it builds more tradition. And I think at the end of the day, uh, the players are going to treat this seriously. But again... Four matches in 10 days, two of the matches in the middle, the, the second and third match are going to be played in Alvalade. Uh, obviously, they have to, um, you know, Fernando Santos is going to be doing a lot of rotation moving moving players around to make sure that, you know, I don't think we'll see anybody play four matches. I, I do think we'll see, you know, Jose Sa probably get a sh- chance to play a, g- a goalkeeper. We'll see maybe Patricio for a game. We'll see Costa for a game. You'll see, uh, you know, a little bit of moving around. We'll probably get to see, um, you know, we'll see, like I said, Nunu Menj, uh, Rafael Guerrero. We'll see the regulars play. I think Rafael Leon's going to get his chance to play a little bit more this time around. Andre Silva is going to get his chance. You know, remember, he scored the, if I remember correctly, the winning goal to win the uh, Europa, uh, the, uh, excuse me, UEFA Nations League. Uh, what was that, two, three years ago? So, uh, And then, of course, you've got other players like Moutinho, Paulinha. So, uh, a very. in my opinion, I'm not surprised. I think all the players, he called up 27. And, uh, you know, when you take into account they've got four matches coming up in June. Then they've got two more in September. And then nothing really gets going until the World Cup based on what I've heard until the middle of November. And even then, between when players, you know, basically finish playing for their club teams and then go to the national team. You know, there's only about a week in between that from what I've read. And let's not forget, they're going to be going all the way to Qatar, which isn't, you know, a short trip by any means. And that's going to take a whole day as well as jet lag and everything. So, uh, you know, to me, I I think these are very important matches. You want them to win and you want, most importantly, the players to gel because, uh, you know, the way Portugal, I mean, we beat Turkey and North Macedonia to qualify. We got, we didn't, we avoided Italy in the uh, playoff, but uh, we're playing, you know, Spain. We're playing Switzerland. Czech Republic tends to have some uh, decent teams every once in a while, so we've got to be, you know, very, very careful with these matches because we got to play to win because that's what the purpose. What the players say about wearing the crest on the jersey is that you always play to win, you know. And and you know, the dream is to get called up, and then the dream is to win a match and to win a cap with the Sila song. So. Uh, that'll be very, very interesting. And again, plenty of time to talk about that, but no real surprises uh, for me. Uh, Predictions. uh, Last week, uh, what do I always say? Two and two, John? Well, I was uh, two and two again. Uh, I predicted uh, Aroca and Bissad would draw. That's what happened. They finished 2-2. I predicted that Tundela would beat Boavista, Boavista scoring a late goal in the 86th minute to level it, and it stayed 2-2. And, of course, Dundella, as we know, uh, went down because Mordet-Ince won. Uh, so that was, again, another late goal that hurts my prediction. It, it's happened a lot of times this year. I'm not trying to be defensive. Uh, Mordet-Ince, I predict they would beat Vizela. The Mordet-Ince jumped out to, I think it was like a 3-0 lead. And uh, Vizela's manager uh, was very disappointed. He felt his team did not come to play. Remember I said that last week? Would Vizela players be motivated to play a match knowing that they already are assured of staying up next season? And I said that was going to play the big factor. And give Ricardo Sapinto and More Aidenz a lot of credit for really coming out on fire. They benefited from a player being sent off early. But when you when that happens to you, you have to score. And Sapinto had these guys ready uh, last week. So More Aidenz defeating Vizela 4-1. I got that right. I did lose... I predicted Rio Ave and Chaves withdraw, and I, and I saw Rio Ave, uh, very good result, defeating Chaves uh, 3-0, and of course Rio Ave, major celebrations in Vila do Conde. Um, just just really a very good match. And Ucra, uh, uh, if you're familiar with Ucra, used to play for Porto, Santa Clara, for a number of years. He's uh, probably the best Portuguese follower on Instagram. Um, he does some really wacky things. He walks around with a... Uh, a basically a king's thing on his head because he's done videos, especially when he celebrates his birthday. He <laughs> he was on a float that was going through the city, and I think he was being asked by TV a question, and he literally just gave the TV guy a kiss on his mouth, I think. But uh, Ukra, U-K-R-A, if you're looking for him on Instagram, is one of the best follows if you're Portuguese and you want to get that perspective. He's, he's really a lot of fun. But uh, Riwav, congratulations after a one-year... Uh, last year, getting relegated, they are back uh, into the first division, and uh, so they will uh, be there next year along with Gazapía, which uh, obviously will be in the second in the first division for the second time in their eighty-something years. So my predictions last week, I went two and two. This week, there's only two matches, so this will pretty much uh, wrap it up. Or maybe you know what? I'll still do the second leg next week. Uh, but basically, I predict Importo will beat Tundela. I just think Tundela is not. Mo- I mean, they're going to be motivated. But there's something missing, knowing that they're gonna get relegated, so I'm predicting that Porto will win. Their 18th toss of the Portugal trophy, where in case you wonder where that puts you with the count in Portugal for the Porto fans, Mafica leads with 26. Porto and Sporting are tied with 17, so Porto would have a chance to overtake Sporting and, and uh, go into second place by themselves with uh, 18, and Sporting with 17. And then the next best after that is Boavista, with uh, 5. So this weekend I'm predicting Porto will beat Tundela 2-0 and I'm predicting that Chaves and Moreirense will play to a 1-1 draw in the first leg of their playoffs and that will be a big goal for Moreirense because remember, the away goals rule is in effect in this competition. This isn't European competition, this is Portuguese domestic competition and that rule uh, will be in effect. So this year so far, 78 correct, 61 incorrect, my predictions, 56% is my winning percentage. Not very good, but you know what? I'm above 50%, so at least I wouldn't be relegated if I was playing uh, and having some fun uh, with this at uh, all. Um, So that's uh, that. Uh, Let me talk about picks. And that is my picks for MVP, goalkeeper, defender, midfielder, striker, best manager, flop, and best young player. And I figured the way to do that is let me read out when I put this out on uh, Twitter. Um, I basically asked the followers on social media, Instagram, and looking at all the different uh, social networks that PortugueseSoccer.com has, I decided to put together a few opinions before I tell you mine. And uh, let me start off first with Ed. E period D period. He's got a Porto uh, profile thing. Uh, FCP. 26 underscore. Most valuable player, Luis Diaz, if he had stayed for the rest of the season. Otherwise, for him, it's Sarabia. Uh, goalkeeper, Diego Costa. Defender, Pep from Porto. Midfielder, he's got Vitinha slash Otavio. Striker, he's got Darwin slash Orta. Uh, best manager, he's got Sergio Conceição. Flop, he's got Dwong Mario of Benfica and Pote. Um I would say it's probably João Mario. I'll let you know that in a minute if I pick that. But Pote did not have the year that he had last year. I think there's an argument for that. And then best young player, he listed three from his club, Porto. Vitinha, Fabio Vieira, and Diego Costa. Next up, the football scout official, one of my followers. Uh, Most valuable player, he's predicting Luis Diaz. Uh, Goalkeeper, Diego Costa. Best defender, Sebastian Cuat, Midfielder, Mateus Nunes, Striker, Darwin. Best manager, Sergio Conceição, flop. Uh, his is different. Jaramachuk from uh, Benfica. I think a lot more people expected more, but uh, he's listed uh, him as a flop. And best young player, he's going with Gonzalo Inacio. Uh, Rui Giron, most valuable player. He didn't list it, but his best goalkeeper is Diego Costa. Best defender, Pep from Porto. Midfielder, he went with Sporting's Mateus Nunes. Striker, Darwin. Manager, Conceição. Flop, he went with Sporting's Pote. Uh, young player, he went with Porto's uh, Vitinha. Nino Torres from Goal TV. My man, I'm going to have him on soon. Uh, MVP, he's going with Tereme. Porto's Tereme. Goalkeeper, he's going with Andre Ferreira. He went a little different there. Good. Uh, defender, a lot of people, and he's him as well. Had Porto's Pep. Midfielder, Mateusz Nunez. Uh, striker, Darwin. Best manager, Conceição. Flap, he went with uh, Pepa. Pepa. Um, and then young player Fabio Vieira, who's by the way, what I picked, as you'll see here in a few minutes. Uh, Justin M. He's got the blue check mark Justin M underscore NFL. Uh, best, most valuable player Luis Diaz. Goalkeeper Diego Costa. Defender Portus Pep. Midfielder Vitinha. Striker Darwin. Manager Conceição. Flop. He went with uh, Benfica's wrong Mario. Again, that's my pick. And best young players. He went with uh, Vitinha and Fabio Vieira. Uh, Sergio and Associates. I had Sergio on uh, last year, twice. Uh, Sergio underscore R81, um, in case you... Uh, he uh, His account was suspended for a while, then it came back. I casually soared one day on a timeline for something, and I told him, I said, Sergio, is your account back? And so, good to have him back. He's always one of the funniest people on Twitter. Big Benfica fan, I call him Mr. Benfica Toronto. Uh, most valuable player, Luis Diaz, would have been hands down, but since he left, he's going with Darwin. Uh, goalkeeper Diego Costa. Defender, he's going with either Pep or Seba Coates from Sporting. Midfielder, he's going Vitinha. Striker, Darwin. Manager, Sergio Conceição. Flap, João Mario. Best young player, he's going with Fabio Vieira or Vitinha. And by the way, credit to Sergio. He was objective. He wasn't a Benfica fan going heavy with Benfica. He, you know, he went with what he thought was good. So I got to give him his uh, respect for that. Crispy Chris. Thank you for your DM. MVP, he's got Serabia from Sporting. Goalkeeper, he's got Diego Costa. I think almost everybody selected Diego Costa. Defender Pep from Porto. Again, another unanimous decision. Midfielder Vitinha. Striker Tereme. That's an interesting one. Manager, I hope you're joking. Daniel Ramos, uh, look... We're talking about Daniel Ramos at the beginning of the season when he managed Santa Clara and he he led them to a few wins in the Europa Conference League preliminaries, but uh, I like Daniel Ramos. I still think one day in the right situation he could manage a, a big three. Uh, I remember watching him a few years ago in the Tasa, the Liga preliminary with Freya Mund and I always felt that he had something special in him. But in this case, uh, most people went with Conceição, crispy Chris. He went with Daniel Ramos, flop. He also went with Benfica's Yermachuk. By the way, when you have two Benfica players, Juan Mario and Yarumachuk, that most people consider to be flops, I think that's a signal of the type of season that Benfica had. And then best young player, Fabio Vieira. Uh, so these are some, not all, of the people that uh, you know put in for it. And my picks, um, I'm going with Pablo Sarabia for MVP. I'm not doing Diaz. Look, Diaz would have been the MVP, but he didn't finish the season. He left in, what was it, January? Uh, it's just hard for me to give it to somebody. I just think it's got to be someone that played the whole season. I mean, that's not taking anything away from Luis Diaz. I mean, he plays for Liverpool. Do you think he cares what I think? But I just think, in my opinion, I'm going to go with uh, Pablo Sarabia. Uh, best goalkeeper, there was no doubt about it. Diego Costa, Porto was solid all season. Defender, again, Pep, no doubt about it. Coac, uh, you can make an argument for. Uh, you know, Sporting also had one of the best defenses all season. But in my opinion, I think those are some of the players that I would say. Uh, but I go with Portus Pep. Uh, midfielder, I would say I'm going to go with uh, Mateus Nunes or Vitinha. I think either one of them really did well for me. Uh, but if I had to go with one, I'd say probably Mateus Nunes. Uh, striker, I think, you know, you either choose between Dar- Darwin or Tereme. But I think you got to go with Darwin with uh, 26 goals. And he also did manage to score against some big teams in Europe. But domestically, he also... Uh, especially that big goal he scored against uh, sporting, it's it's kind of hard to overlook that. I don't think he scored in his career against Porto, but still, 26 points in a season is pretty darn good. Best manager, is there any doubt? Sergio Conceição, he just had a really had a very good year and he won the title, so there's no arguing. Question now is was Conceição come back a lot of the press keep asking those questions. I had uh, Cristiano Oliveira on my podcast about a month ago, and we think he's going to be leaving, and we think JJ will be the next manager at Porto. so I'm bringing that up. Put that up on the wall. Mark it, because if it happens, you know I'm going to be talking about that again. Um, flap, to me, there's three choices, João Mario, Yermichuk, and Pote, but I think you got to go with João Mario. I mean, when João Mario... Last summer, when Benfica was playing the the Champions League qualifiers, you remember some of the uh, newspapers, what they were saying about João Mario, about how he was making a big difference, and J.J. even praised him. But João Mario has kind of disappeared. I think he might have been hurt. I'm trying to remember. Did he get hurt, and then he came back, and he never got his rhythm? But I think it's got to be João Mario. I, I just don't think that there's uh, much doubt. And, uh, you know, right now, if you're sporting, you're looking pretty good that you didn't spend the money you did to keep him on for another year. And then you developed a bunch of new players in the midfield that some of which will probably be sold in the future for a lot of money. So in a way, Ruben Amorim probably looks very smart in that situation. But I think João Mario, I'm, an argument can be made about Sporting's pote. He did not have the year, although he was injured for a while. But uh, he certainly is up there along with Yermachev of Benfica. But I think for me, it's Benfica's João Mario. Uh, Best young player, in my opinion, Fabio Vieira. He scored some big goals for Porto. Uh, He is certainly progressing toward becoming a player that's going to make a lot of money for Porto. And I think next year, he's going to be one of their bigger stars. Uh, But those are my picks uh, for the year. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about them uh, next week. But I think for me, Sarabi MVP, Costa goalkeeper, Pep defender, Nunez midfield, Darwin striker, Conceição manager, João Mario flop, young player Fabio Vieira. I think those are the uh those to me are the obvious choices um, for uh, these uh you know these type of uh, picks. Part 2 of the Soccer.com podcast. Thanks again for uh, listening. Thanks again for all your support and your many emails. I enjoy listening to them and uh, looking forward to continuing doing this uh, all the time. But let's get going with uh, talking about the Big Three report. Um, I put out a poll this week. I'm going to start off here with Benfica. When uh, Benfica announced uh, Roger Schmidt as their new manager, I basically asked the question, is Roger Smith the solution to Benfica's problems? And... I had a very good poll with close to 700 votes. 53.2% said yes. 46.8% said no. And uh, I found that to be close to in the middle. And uh, let me read you some comments from fans about this poll. Uh, Again, I want to give you, my Twitter followers, some uh, spotlight. Thank you so much uh, for following the PortugueseSoccer.com Twitter. Uh, M.SLB, Big Benfica fan. Uh, always enjoy his uh, comments. Uh, always a good follow. Give him a follow at sob. Uh, he says, alcohol. Alcohol has been my solution to Benfica's problems. Hopefully, he's the AA we need, not the type we don't need, like Andre Almeida. Woo! <laughs> very rough comment there on Andre Almeida, but I know a lot of people aren't very happy with them. But uh, he's hoping that he'll be his solution. A uh, bag full of Toffee. A uh, great follower of mine. I'm going to have him on in the uh, future. If he can quickly get them playing the pressing game with wingbacks he likes and the front foot... Excuse me, let me repeat it again. If he can quickly get them playing the pressing game with wingbacks he likes and the front football he likes, then yes, it will be a culture shock to the team and it is up to them to buy into his ideas. If they do, they could see them challenging in a three-horse race uh, next season. Yeah, that's the other thing that's always very important that I think he uh, brings up also is... Um, when you are a manager, and you know this, whether or not you manage recreationally, if you've ever managed whatever it may be, you know, Little League Baseball, whatever, or even high school or university, the first thing you have to do when you become a manager and a leader is you need the people that are going to be playing for you to believe in what you're saying. And if the players that come in next year, in addition to the players that stay behind, basically... Uh, believe in what Roger Schmidt is doing, then I think they're going to have more success. If they don't, which I think might have been the case with JJ with some of the player issues he was having where apparently the players didn't believe in him anymore, you need to have the players believing in you to move on. So I think back Full of Toffee uh, brings up a very good point. Uh, Crispy Chris again, the solution to all Portuguese teams' problems would be to allow outside investors so they can focus on winning championships instead of keeping the lights on. Yeah, my understanding in Portugal is that you have to have, first of all, if you can't have an original owner come in and buy a team the way it happens with, like, Chelsea was bought. Uh, you need to basically start up an investment with the side. Um I think if a billionaire wanted to buy a Portuguese team, some of these Portuguese teams, the big three, would have been bought a long time ago. But there's rules against that in Portugal where you're not allowed to buy a Portuguese team. Now, is that good or bad? Um In my opinion, I think if you bring in a billionaire, he's bound to invest more into the team and you won't have to worry about the lights shutting off if you don't pay the bills. But I guess people are concerned in Portugal is what would happen if the team went bankrupt. You know, Glasgow Rangers a few years ago got bankrupt and they had to drop to the fourth division in Scotland and had to work their way back up. Um, You know, what would happen if uh, if you had an issue with the big three? So there's reasons pro and against it, but, you know, that's what they say. Uh, Robert Fernandez... Loud Portuguese. It's a step in the right direction. I hope after two years he stays. Paulo Sergio Resenjo always has a strong opinion. Nope. Too many problems at the club. Club needs a rebuild from the directors to the squad. His style leaks. Too many goals. Sporting in Porto will outscore SLB. There's only a few players that could play his high-intensity uh, level. Uh, so that was Paulo Sergio Resen-ge. Um Moving on here to the next... Uh, This one is from Z underscore Sporting CP. I'm a sporting fan, but I'd be surprised if Sporting outscores Benfica. We don't have as much firepower. And even last season, we won the league, but we didn't outscore Benfica or uh, Porto. Uh, And Adrian Neves would have commented, until Benfica gets rid of that crap and garbage in the squad, not really. I highly doubt he's going in there to coach that crap. He can't go in there with those players. I'm sure he will get the money from Darwin Seal to Stretton, but I want his verdict uh, not Rui Costa or Braz. You, all right, so you're basically relying on him. So that's Adrian Neves, 17, on uh, on uh, Twitter. So some strong comments. I think it's a very good move bringing in somebody from another league. But I will tell you this. If you heard my last episode and you saw some of the comments he made about the VAR in a Dutch match, he's not going to take too Listen to this right now. I'm saying this. Episode 119. He does not take too kindly to criticism. He's very outspoken. And if there's going to be issues next season with Benfica and referees, he's uh, from everything I've seen of him, he does not have a lot of patience. He did a flash interview where I saw he didn't like a question and he walked away. I hope he knows what he's getting into in Portugal with the press and the media. I mean, obviously, he's a manager. He knows the fanaticism with the fans. But I just wonder if he knows what he's getting into, a media that's dominated by the big three clubs. I'd be very curious to see what he's going to uh, say about that. Uh, big news also this week, besides announcing Schmidt, uh, Petar Musa. they signed up from Boa Vista for $5 million. Uh, big move for Benfica. Well, he's a young player. We'll see if he's going to do good. And uh, Verissimo also said goodbye this week uh, to Benfica. Good luck to him. I, I think he did a decent job. I don't think he was the... You know, he did certainly a decent job in Europe, but uh, obviously he needs to be in another position to try to prove himself, but he just didn't work out in terms of getting Benfica to the title in his two runs. Uh, Porto going for their 18th Taça de Portugal title this week. Conceição was linked with a story with PSG. I don't know if it's true. Somebody I know, I had texted them a story about it. They didn't respond, so that's enough for me to say it's probably nothing. Again, I do think Jose Song is going to leave this summer, and I'll talk about that later on. And Porto, uh, 91 points with their uh, win last weekend at home against Estoril, in that sense, the Liga record. So, I know people who don't like Jose Song, and I don't fully understand it, considering he's won three titles in five years, and now he set the uh, record with 91 points, not to mention that they uh, went, what, 58, 59 matches in Liga without losing, but... uh, I'll tell you what, wherever Conceição goes, people are going to really, you know, Porto fans are going to miss him, in my opinion. Uh, Sporting, uh, big story in Abola. Daniel Braganza wants to play more. His reps are looking into what they can do to see if maybe he's going to be loaned out, or is he going to stay in Portugal, although the story said they didn't think he was going to stay in Portugal, because of the fact that he has a bit of a high salary, at least for a small Portuguese club, but Braganza is looking for a bigger opportunity, and uh, again, uh, unless Sporting make a lot of sales this summer, I think he's going to probably be loaned. PSG, looks like Sporting's going to get that 40 for Nuno Menj. Uh, congratulations to Nuno making the Liga 1, the uh, France's all-league team, so good job by him. Uh, Santa Clara's Japanese player, Morita. Uh, looks like he'll be coming uh, to Porto. A deal is very close. They're just waiting for the new administration to sign off. Uh, Poro, as you know, he um, he's all set with the uh, with uh, Sporting, he signs till 2025. And, of course, the day after they announced this, I think it was Jogo that had a story that Atletico and Real Madrid were already looking at him. And uh, congratulations to Sporting. Uh, it's amazing. They had some pretty good numbers this year. They didn't win the Liga, which tells you how well Porto did. But Porto, uh, Sporting won 39 matches this year in a season. And uh, that's a big thing. Now, it's also important to mention when you hear these stats – Let's not forget that in um, Ruman Ammarine's first year, they did not play in the Europa League. So they essentially played six, what, six less matches. Whereas this year, they played in the Champions League and they won a few more games. So I think sometimes when you hear stats, it gets taken out of contest. Ojogo does that a lot. When they uh, the simplest thing of a player playing in his 100th match or his 50th career goal gets made of a big deal when we all know that those numbers need to be higher for them to really, really be a uh, you know a big deal. Um, Mais Football came out with a story this week. The best pitches and the worst pitches in the Liga. The best pitch in Portugal, can you take a guess? No, no, no. Number one, Porto Muniz. Number two, Gil Vicente. Number three, Benfica. Number four, Sporting. And Porto was only at number seven, so... Portimonense was considered to to have the best playing pitch in the Liga. Who had the worst? Maritimo. Maritimo, of course, had a lot of problems uh, this year, and uh, they were voted to have the worst pitch in the Liga B win. By the way, I'm surprised to see Sporting fourth, because I thought Sporting was also having some issues with their pitch uh, last year. Uh, I'm surprised to see them uh, that high. Um, Other news around the Liga B win. Santa Clara. Uh, Mario Silva, the manager, he's, he renews his contract for an, two more years. Big news for Santa Clara. Outside of the uh, big three, they didn't lose to anybody after round 16. That wasn't in the big three, and uh, they were just literally awesome this year. Uh, so he's going to be back. Oh, he's contracted for two more years. Uh, congratulations to Gonzalo Panciencia winning the Europa League with Untrack Frankfurt. Uh, big accomplishment uh, for him. Of course, he's the son of Domingos Paciencia. Uh, Braga this week, uh, interesting. The former b manager, Franklin corvalho He's going to be joining Arthur Jorge, who, of course, was named this week as the new manager of Braga. So the b manager is going to head up north and become his assistant. Arthur George has already managed briefly Braga a few years ago when uh, I think he managed the last five matches of the season when they changed managers. And he's also managed some of their, uh, I think, B and uh, under-23 teams. So he's someone very familiar with Braga and what Braga is all about. And Salvador has tapped him to be the uh, new manager of uh, Braga this week, replacing Carlos Carvial, who, depending on what you read, could be heading back to England to take a job uh, there. Uh, Portimonense's Paulo Sergio also renewed this week. Paulo Sergio got, I think, a lot of criticism after that 7-0 loss to Porto, but I think he's a very good manager, and he's done a, a pretty good job with Portimonense, but he renews until 2024. Uh, 20, uh, um, folks, I'm going to wrap it up here, but like I always do, let me talk about my last thing. And that is, of course, my team, Atletico do Arcus. Uh, final match day of the season, Atletico do Arcus. Uh, and here's the story. Munson is in first place with 43 points. Atletico do Arcus is in second place with 41. Both of these teams have received berths by finishing in the top two to play in the TASA de Portugal first round in September. The question is, is who will finish in first to be promoted up to the fourth division, and basically Atletico do Arcus is trailing by two points. Now this weekend, Arcus is at home in Estadio do Cutada. They'll be playing on the last place team, Shafe, Arcus has 41 points. AD Shafe has only six. So this could be an opportunity for uh, Atletico do Arcus this weekend uh, to score a lot of goals. Munson has to go on the road to play Vitorino, the Peões. And if I recall correctly, I think this is with the same team about a month ago that took away points from Atletico. So if you're looking for a team that you're competing against to play against another tough team, you got to be glad that Munson is playing Vitorino de Pionge. So it's very simple. Arcus needs to win, and they basically need – if Munson loses, then that's it. Arcus wins the the, uh, the, the division, and they get promoted. If they, lo- if they win – and Moon Song draws, then they're in a first place tie. And unfortunately, I don't have the details here because Arkus won 2 to 1 at Moon Song, And then Moon Song came to Arkus and beat them 2 to 1. So they're level on points. And I'm not really sure what the tiebreaker is. Um, I'll have to find out this weekend. I'm going to try to find it. And by the way, again, another thing when we talk about the TV, you know, could have been nice to put the Arkus match on YouTube, but whatever. But uh, so that's a big deal and uh, I'll be watching that intently and uh, hopefully next week I'm talking about them, uh, you know, moving up to the uh, fourth division because I don't think Atletico do Arcos, Arcos de Valves, beautiful city and Minho. I don't think they uh, they could handle first division. My dream is to see them go to the uh, second division. But I will say, by the way, everyone asks me all the time because they, I guess they have nothing else to do. They'll say, well, who's my favorite team in Portugal? You know, it's Atletico do Arcos. But also I'm going to be rooting very heavily and sometimes I will be biased because the team from, I have a lot of relatives in uh, Torres Vedras, uh, managed by Nuno Santos, who used to manage Fedens a few years ago. They, by the way, renewed with him until 2024. Obviously, he won the uh, third division and got them promoted to the second division. But that's a team that I'll be following very closely every day and seeing the players. And when I go to Portugal this summer, I'm looking forward to catching a... Um, a match in that stadium, I told you before, I've been so many times at that stadium. I've seen them training in August. They got the little bar outside there on the street and right where you would catch the bus. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Torienz, uh maybe do something. Uh, Torrientes' only other big thing is many, many years ago, 25 years ago, they eliminated Porto in the early rounds of the Taça de Portugal. That's their other big thing. Uh, in terms of a club history that I could tell you is proud. If you ever go into the bar, they still, uh, you know, talk about that. Anyway, folks, that wraps up episode 119. As always, thank you for your comments. Please follow, and if you're not following, why aren't you following yet? But again, you can listen to this if you're listening to this the first time. Please subscribe, uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, TuneIn. Um, it's on all the major platforms. Podcast Addict. You could also listen to it. On Anchor FM, on the embed link on PortugueseSoccer.com. Uh, Thank you for your support. Uh, it's getting warm where I am. It's supposed to be 90s this weekend. It's like above 30 degrees Celsius for those that follow that. Uh, so I'm looking forward to this weekend, and I'm looking forward to watching uh, or following, I should say, Chaves More Dance. I'm uh, looking forward to following uh, Porto Tunella. Will Tunella pull off the upset? We'll see. Uh, And then obviously I'm looking forward to the under-17 on Monday and then watching the special one, trying to win the Europa Conference League on Wednesday. As always, folks, thank you again for your support. Stay strong, and I'll talk to you next time. Ciao, everybody.